Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, a podcast where we talk about dating and we talk about how great it is to be single as well. Oh, okay. That's a little tease and a spoiler for our incredible guest today. We have Shaney Silver back on the podcast. If you're longtime listeners, you'll know we're obsessed with Shaney. We reference her all the time. We've had her on in the past. We uh, love everything that she does. And the most exciting thing is that she wrote a book that's coming out on October 26th. Yes, this is very exciting. So if you are not familiar with Shaney Silver, follow her right now. She's a writer. She hosts an amazing podcast called A Single Serving. And I promise she will change your perspective on being single, even if you are not single um, right now. And her book, A Single Revolution, comes out this October. And you should all buy it and support her. And uh, I, feel, I feel like we're asking you to join a cult. Um, but it's true. That's how I feel. My dedication to what Shaney's doing. I just want to continue to prop her up. Um, no one is speaking up for how great being single and how normal being single in life can be. So yeah, huge fan. And it's amazing. Like even if you're not single or even if you're actively looking for a partner, like I've had a partner for a long time and I feel like I've grown from engaging with Shaney's content in the yep. last couple of years just because she really talks about the power of like knowing yourself, feeling totally comfortable alone. Like I feel braver and bolder and and more, um, yeah, like able to take on the world as an individual human because of the work she does. So anyway, we're obsessed with her. We're going to we had a great interview with her. It's really long. So we're just going to do because like she's great. So we're just going to do a really quick little baby intro. Um, our business first. Guys, thanks for listening. You can always email us at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. We love your worst first date stories. We love your dating detective mysteries, which is like if you had a weird dating situation that you've never really figured out, weird ghosting stuff, weird hookup stuff, weird anything, and you just want us to try to try to follow the clues and figure it out for you, send that in. Um, or you can just email us questions, thoughts, things you want to hear uh pep talks also, you would like pep talks yeah we've been doing we really enjoyed our pep talk episode with carlin and i think you guys did too based on the dms and stuff we got so we may do pep talks part two in the future um any of that stuff email us you can also dm us on instagram and follow us at 51 for states pod and please do rate subscribe review it helps us so much it helps us with literally everything from getting people to advertise to getting cool guests did I do it? You did it. You did such <laughs> a great job too. Um, yeah, please do rate, subscribe, review. We got it. We got every once in a while we get a mean one. We're not like big enough to get hate, you know. But we got one that's like I, every time I watch this show, they never stay on topic. So let's push that one down because we, we don't. We're not a show that you watch, and 
we don't stay on topic. So yeah, <laughs> no, if you want staying on topic, I, I don't I don't know that uh, we are the gals for you. <laughs> Uh, definitely other places on the internet you could go specifically in the podcasting world but anyways we love you all and we love Shaney and let's do a quick consumption corner Liza selfishly Great. because I actually have one a new one. Oh my god same and I'm so excited to talk about it okay I want you to go first you know what mine's gonna be though because I texted you about some full frontal nudity that happens in it oh I do know <laughs> what yours is going to be so I have just ferociously devoured scenes from a marriage on HBO Max. I here's the thing. It is not for everybody. There's five episodes. The last one just premiered this Sunday. I will say that like two of the episodes three and four for me were like the absolute best. I think a lot of people didn't make it past one and two, which I kind of get. It is like very uncomfortable, very hard to watch. But to me, it's like voyeurism because you feel like you are in somebody's living room witnessing them talk about their relationship. And I just, I mean, I thought about this podcast a ton. I thought about um, everyone in every relationship I know. Uh, I thought about how Oscar Isaac's so fucking hot. And like, oh. you've been a long time, Stan. Like, you had a crush on him way before he was like America's boyfriend. But holy shit. In this series, he plays like a kind of scruffy, bearded philosophy professor, and that really hits all my all my hotspots. So, uh, but the biggest thing is that like the acting is just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like the two of them together are so good. I was so invested in this fake relationship that like I I stayed up until I was just going to watch one episode, and I stayed up till three in the morning watching it because I just could not stop. But also, it's heartbreaking. I've been thinking about it constantly. It just gutted me. However, a lot of people I've talked to about it have been like, I couldn't watch past the first episode. It's too intense. It's too personal. It's too, like, real. It's like you feel like you are watching a marriage, like, go through really intense struggles. Um, But, you know, I love that shit. It's like watching therapy. It almost hits the same. The guy who developed it is the the creator of In Treatment. And you really feel that. Like, you, it's just really, the writing is very, like, super well sketched out characters and several of the episodes are just them talking in a house for an hour and it's almost in real time and it's it's wild uh and also you see oscar isaac's peen for just about a second and it's not a great angle or anything but you see it and for that alone i won't tell anyone where in the series it comes except i'll tell you if you want but also i guess you could just google it I can't believe that's not bigger news the way that that show what was that show that sexy show on Netflix that I didn't watch everyone was talking about the full frontal in it we yeah. like you know the internet loves to explode about a a, a dong um, yeah. well this was way more I would say this is like most similar to Ben Affleck and Gone Girl okay it's definitely like a hint a, a little a little just uh, taste of ew I don't know what the right word is I it, it's not like don't don't go just for the peen, but it's you know it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, you convinced right. me. I'm um. so on this, and I feel like I'm also. I don't know anyone else who's actually watched all the episodes, which maybe is an indicator that I'm just like a glutton for punishment because it's really hard to watch. But I'm just like dying to talk to someone about it. So if you get into it, I'll be really really happy. But no pressure. Okay, I will check it out. I feel. That I could handle it. The the, re- the reward for the, the pain, you know, it sounds like it's, yeah. it's a nice It's premium. like old school good acting, too. I feel like it's the type of acting That's- that when we were doing acting school together, 
everyone in our class would have been talking about like this acting and how good it is. Yes. It was that was kind of the thing that pulled me through. Okay. I'm going to stop yammering about it. Tell me yours. <laughs> okay. I have first I just want to shout out I don't know if I have yet that what we do in the shadows is back and if you've never seen that show, it's FX on Hulu. Please go check it out because it's so so delightful and funny. So I just that's one. Uh, I realize I have three. The most recent one, maybe I'll save my third or maybe I'll just tease it this week. But the one I want to talk about the most is The Way Down, which is a documentary series on HBO Max. Have you seen this, Liza, advertised to you? The lady has big hair. That might help some of you. But (laughs) it is about a reverend like leader, this woman, Gwen. I'm totally blanking on her last name, but she – I don't want to give too much away – She pretty much rose to a fame notoriety uh, in like the 80s, 90s by telling you, you know, if you prayed to God, basically she turned intuitive eating into a church. That's what I will say. Um, So uh, confluence of a lot of like hot topics right now. Yes. And it really became a cult because we love cults. I don't want to give too much else away. I don't think it's like the best version of one of these I've ever seen, but the story is bonkers and I don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, it will hit that Nexium spot. It is fascinating that this was allowed to exist, the Scientology spot. And I, yeah, just watch it. And Cults, then wellness. My final one, I moments. don't even know where I'm watching it. I think, oh, HBO Max as well, is a comedy, a series that I watched so many years ago, forgot about, and now just am binging through season two called The Other Two. It is about a uh, family who their their young brother basically goes rockets to viral fame, very like Justin Bieber lookalike type, and the siblings who like both have pursued careers within the entertainment industry just navigating it. It's so funny. It got renewed for season three, so I will tease that and maybe Liza, have you seen when it? When did this first come out? A while ago. I remember like going through I feel like the Comedy Central app or MTV, whatever it was on. I think it was Comedy Central. Uh to find it because it was so funny and made me laugh out loud. Molly Shannon is also in it. So yeah. Did they just make season two or something? I feel like all of a sudden Molly Shannon's out like doing press for it because it just I just heard of it like three weeks ago. They might. I don't know why. Yeah. No, I saw that too, which made me think to turn it on. I know it was renewed for a third season. It is potentially the most underrated show because nobody talks about it and it's very funny I laugh out loud in a very specific way when I watch it um that's great and and the and the daughter one of the people is the is oh my god D from Always Sunny and she's the daughter in Hacks what is her name she's so good Caitlin something she's so good and so funny um Maybe it's not Caitlin. I don't. I, it's the girl from High Maintenance. Wait. Okay. I, either way, we won't do this. We won't bore you on the podcast. <laughs> I don't remember, but they're really funny and great. And um, yeah. Oh, my, oh Caitlin Olson is not in this show. Sadly, no. Oh, is that not the blonde daughter? Okay. Jake. No. Um. Okay. I just. I just connected the dots. <laughs> Never mind. I'm glad no. you solved. She that would for also me crush was... the part, but I really like the actress who plays her, and I apologize that I don't know her name. She was. Um, in a very old episode of High Maintenance and very funny. Like that that awful pair of besties who <laughs> Okay. We yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we are everybody's like moms right now being like, Oh, and that girl from that show that, yeah, is in I'm this so other show. I'm sorry you had to listen That's to this. Me, but I would way. say that I'm actually yeah, highly recommend all of the things I'm watching right now and obviously Housewives, but I won't do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Good consumption. Um this is like you just listed all things I really, really want to watch, which is great because I am in a after my scenes from a marriage um, deep dive. I've been in a content hole. Uh, so here we go with those. 
And here we go with our interview with Shaney. We're going to take a really quick ad break and then we will be back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are so excited to have Shaney Silver back. Shaney, we've we've been chatting. I'm just going to be honest here. We've been chatting away for like, <laughs> you know, the past 20 minutes. Thank you for coming back and chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute treat to be talking to the two of you again. I really feel like, I mean, I was thinking about this when we were chatting earlier, like we should hang out in real life. But honestly, we weren't doing that before the pandemic. We were still a very uh, cross-country um, crew. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. We were talking before we signed on about like the phenomenon of having internet friends and how fun it is, but also that like, yeah, we've never sat down and had a meal together and like that's bizarre, but we will. Okay. We've decided we're going to New Orleans to visit. She's uh, blowing up your, okay, great. Anytime Um, you want. The guest room is always open. Amazing. Um, Internet friends. We are, I know, right? So we're so happy to have you here. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Most notably, your book, which is coming out. We're going to get to all of that. But first, okay, so we have been on your podcast since the pandemic. But the last time our listeners heard from you, I Googled this yesterday. Your episode aired on February 25th, 2020, when things were different. Uh, (laughs) Like the precipice, the very precipice of the end of the earth. I mean... I was listening to just a few minutes of our episode yesterday to figure out like which questions we had already asked you. And I just was listening to especially me and being like, you sweet, dumb idiot. You ha- you know, you have no idea. You know, just like it was it was, it was hard to listen to. You were so naive, but, you know, I, I mean, truly, I feel like we knew that there was this pandemic happening, you know, around the world. But oop, and I had had a strange cold, you know, the month before or. Oh, God. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I remember because I was in L.A. in January. Kimmy was here in February. (laughs) And you you were sick in January and I was sick in February. And we were both like, oh, my God, we're so sick. I have no evidence this was COVID. In fact, I did not have antibodies when I got tested in August. So it whatever. But I was like, whatever. We we were sweet, dumb babies. And here we are. So basically, my long-winded question is, how are you doing? (laughs) How's it been? (laughs) <laughs> that is such a loaded question now in a way that it never was before. Um, it's like just it's such a little landmine of a question. I'm great. I think perspective wise, I'm great. Um, I did the entirety of the pandemic alone in my Brooklyn apartment. And after that was done uh, in June of this this year, this June, I moved to New Orleans because it is more fun and less expensive. So that's that's what's going on with me. But I'm I'm 
I'm very lucky. I'm extremely lucky for uh, the way that I was able to ride out the pandemic completely safely. And um, like all of my work was online anyway. So I was able to, to keep my livelihood going pretty much. I think literally everybody took a big hit in one way or another, but I was still very lucky that I could keep podcasting and I could keep writing. And then, um, I mean, the funniest part about the whole pandemic was that I didn't actually start writing my book until after I got a vaccine. Like, isn't that wild? I had a whole last pandemic that I could have written a book during and I was still like not doing that. And then I got a vaccine and I wrote 70,000 words in a month. And now I have a book baby that's arriving very soon. A book baby. I mean, so exciting. So cool. Also, also I think like it's, uh, oh, sorry, Kimmy. We're, we're both like so excited to talk to Shani that I feel like we're like, but, <laughs> but basically I'm just going to say, I think that like the, the ability to do or the not the ability the um being forced to do nothing i think was one of the weird dark upsides of the pandemic not worth it not worth 700,000 people's lives but if we're looking for so- some small silver linings um the people the, those of us i mean i i lost like all my work and it, it was a weird very depressing time but i also think like oh i had to stop and rethink some things and so I think it's like it, you were writing during that time. You know, your brain was cooking something and then you served it. This is true. This is true. I did a lot more. I think like that year, during the course of that year, I got a lot better at like not just talking about how I think singlehood should be experienced differently, but like actually telling people how to do it for themselves. I kind of like came into my voice in terms of like giving overt advice and being confident about giving that advice and being confident in like helping other people as opposed to just providing like commentary and discussion. I kind of found a voice in terms of like actually trying to help. Um, So I think that was important because it's, I think it's suiting me better than I thought it would. I used to find that like, very arrogant profession Mm -hmm. giving other people advice used to feel very arrogant to me like who the fuck would be listening to me like are you kidding but no you really are allowed to be good at things and you're allowed to know a lot about things and you're allowed to have abilities and you're allowed to share them um not everyone has to like them or listen but the ones that do um i feel like you can really help the ones that want to listen to you and i like that and I think specifically, I, I, you know, even following you, it feels like your community just continues to grow and it feels so robust and people really trust you. And I think, you know, part of that is is that you're willing to give advice and everything. I don't know. We're in, you know, I think you inspire us all the time to just rethink this is a dating podcast, but we it also started from a place of like my, you know, complex relationship with being single quite frankly. Um, But I think that so few voices are kind of sharing the advice that you are. And not only that, like you have great advice. I don't know. It's very powerful and you should keep sharing advice. Like advice is great. I think when we get on the dating side, like Liza and I, we we give our unsolicited feedback or actually it's solicited, but like we like to give quote unquote (laughs) advice, but we're not experts. I feel like it's many people just call themselves dating experts and we we don't. We absolutely don't. But I don't know. I feel that you have truly earned this status in my mind as an expert on like rethinking being single or singledom. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's very sweet of you to say. No, I'm obviously a fan and, you know, being a nerd as always. But okay, before we get too, too, too far down the road, because I just want to talk about your book, you are our first guest to incredibly politely 
turned down our our icebreaker, which is usually tell us the worst first date story, and got to talk about rethinking. I love that. Um, and I think it's a really good reminder, you know, yes, sometimes we can reclaim these stories, by, but but they're also not funny. Worst first dates aren't funny. Anyways, um, in lieu of that icebreaker, we wanted to ask you, what's been your, your favorite solo experience since we've last spoken? I've thought about this and I was like, oh, just tell them it was last night because I had a really fun time by myself last night. But um, I also... I think the the deeper one is um so you know that my moving experience the actual act of moving was horrific but the place I landed the home that I chose I think is one of the best things I've ever done alone and it's important because during the pandemic I I started to um allow myself to acknowledge that it's time to live in a real house I'm tired of going over to my married friends houses or apartments or whatever, and thinking that they have a real place to live and my place to live is fake because it's Mm. so small and it's so, it feels very young and not fully baked yet. Um, And I I felt that way for a while. And I was like, I'm ready for a real house. I want to be a real person with a real house. And obviously to do that, um, I needed to leave this great state of New York, but that was fine with me because I had been there for eight years and maybe let's give, let's give Louisiana a try. Um, but I moved into a real house in New Orleans. I, it took me six months of being obsessed with realtor.com and Trulia and Zillow. I mean, six full goddamn months to find this place, but I did. And I love it. And it's, it's real. It has real rooms and a real hallway and there are two bathrooms in my house and two bedrooms in my house. And I'm the only one that lives here. And that's a big deal for a single woman to have a spare room. And it's just you living there. How many of us allow ourselves that thought? And I believe me, I understand the amount of privilege that I speak from. Like it's a money thing too. And I could not have afforded this in New York. So, I mean, who can let's be real literally Um, no one, (laughs) literally no one. If you're doing it alone, you really can't. So like to acknowledge that I deserve a real house to live in. Like that was a big, big deal for me as a single woman, even a single woman who has really rewritten singlehood for herself. That was still a very big deal to acknowledge what I deserve. And I, I deserve to stop thinking of the place that I live in as less than when compared to my married friends. And it's not just about the size or money or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just the actual physical space what is it and how do you perceive it? How do you style it? How, you know, we've, we've figured out that we're home a lot these days and I wanted to love being home and I wanted to feel like where I was, was valid for where I, I am in my life. Oh, so cool. And so true. I mean, I feel like the concept of home has historically been so tied to our marital status for women. It's like you get married. I mean, this is very like, pre-1960 but but just hit for for thousands and thousands of years pre-1960 not in every culture obviously but like you get married and then you make a home with someone and that's your home and you make it nice and you whatever and you maintain it and blah 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 and it's so unbelievably cool I have a friend Car- oh my god a friend Carlin our regular dater who is like uh just just also made a big move in the pandemic and she is like fuck it I'm spending a lot of money on my furniture because I want like 
I want to put money into this being my home. And it's just been so pow. I know it's been such a powerful process for her to like go through that. And it's true. It's like there is, I think so many people wait mentally be like, oh, I'll like make my home with my partner. And like, nah, it's not, that doesn't make any sense. That's in the book. That exact mood is in the book. There is a section in it about my couch and um, the fact that I only ever had shitty couches as a single woman until the couch that I have sitting right here next to me, um, which is still honestly kind of shitty because it's like one of those startup <laughs> companies, whatever. Um, but I always had like these little, you know, three and $400 Amazon pieces of shit couch. Half of that reason was because I had a cat, but <laughs> it was still like in my head in my fucked up old world single brain, I was thinking you can't have nice stuff until you're with someone, until you're doing it together. And it's like, well, what if I buy this awesome couch that I love and he hates it and then I have to get rid of a couch? That was the twisted shit that I had allowed to, I had allowed, that I had been groomed to allow to grow inside my brain because I thought that's the only way you get to think about singlehood. So for this couch and um, like the day I sat down to write that, chapter was also the day I had a showroom appointment to pick out the couch Mm -hmm. so it it all kind of came together in that moment but it's the same thing with with nice anything like um there was a moment a few years ago where I was looking around at all the crap in my kitchen and how busted my like cookie sheets were and how old the mixing bowls were they were these old plastic pieces of crap I'd had since college I'm like why are you doing this to yourself you hate this get rid of it it's just a plastic mixing bowl you can get a new one that's nice that's not crazy. And then you start building on that. Like, okay, what else do you think you have to wait until you can register for it to buy it? Okay. A Cuisinart. Okay. A blender, like that sort of thing. You don't have to wait until you're real and partnered to have nice things. You can, you can give yourself what you want in other ways now. Like it just, you don't have to, we live these, I call it a prologue life. That's like literally a, a, chapter in the book it's a prologue life and we're that's not that's not true (laughs) our lives are incredibly real and valid and that old mindset of thinking that you have to like your life isn't real yet until you find someone that has to die and it has to die fast because we've learned a lot about time and life in the last couple of years we can't miss this because we think it's not real or valid and we just shut our eyes through it and swipe our way through it until we get out of singlehood it's not something to survive it's not something to get through. It is something to absolutely enjoy and live fully. And the specific example of the couch or the home or the move to New Orleans to me is, again, just like light bulb moment always, like your work always reminds me, but the narrative is so ingrained that we should be waiting. It's actually more exciting and easier to not have to agree on the couch together, to not have to have both people willing and having jobs that allow them to move to New Orleans together. Like that should be the more exciting or maybe not. A partnership is great too, sure. But I just, it's so interesting how that's like so dimmed down when it's actually to me, I'm like, it's for my personality. I love making decisions on my own. Compromising is hard. So I don't know. It's just such a reminder. Um, that couch is a great reminder of how the totally. narrative is so deep. Hard it to also sure. ties into what we talked about last time when we when we asked you this first, worst first date question, about which is about traveling alone. Mm-hmm. It's like- that's something so people are like, oh, wait, this, whatever. Like, it's actually kind of fucking dank to not have to make decisions together. 
Like, oh my God. Have you ever made all the decisions on like a day of being a tourist? It, it, cause you reach a point when you're traveling with someone else where you absolutely hate the sight of them because it's just, you cannot be, you cannot have to make everything nice for someone else anymore. You cannot worry about whether or not someone else is enjoying themselves anymore. You just want to be free of that burden and go do whatever the fuck you want to do. Even if it's your best friend on yeah. earth that you're traveling with, it doesn't matter who it is. There is such freedom and never having to compromise and it's very enjoyable and I would like single women to realize how much of that they have and live it and enjoy it like the worst day to figure out how sweet singlehood is is the day that you meet somebody like that's a really rough time to figure this out so let's figure it out now because we're here now I love it and I yes yes this is I think why I'm so obsessed with everything you do because I was that girl who like just I think there was a part of me that really enjoyed being independent and single and I think like we try to remind people that yes I wanted to challenge myself to go on dates and I love the person I'm with and I got lucky you know but it's I'm so happy I didn't settle for other people that I was so you know caught up in terrible things with or I don't know, not even settle. That's just, I wish I let myself hear the inside voice that was actually enjoying being single and independent instead of like worrying what other people thought. Anyway, I'm making this therapy. Sorry. No, but why would you have done that? Like, why would you have even allowed yourself that? Where had, where had that been shown to you as an option? Nowhere. All had, that had ever been shown to you was how horrific and embarrassing and shameful singlehood is. So why the hell wouldn't you want to get out of it as fast as possible and never acknowledge that it could be nice or fun or enjoyable? Because if you acknowledge that singlehood's good, don't do that. You'll be single longer. That's one of the other like twisted mindsets we have too. And mm-hmm. it's something you have to like, I have to acknowledge and say very loudly. And I do in the book, like singlehood, isn't something that you can be punished with more of just by enjoying it. But we have this twisted notion in our head that we have to hate this or it'll never end. It's just so like, you have to give yourself permission to enjoy the present moment in your singlehood because it is very, very enjoyable. It's not a consolation prize version of life either. And you're not lying to yourself if you love singlehood. No, you can actually love this so much that whoever they are, they're going to have to be amazing for you to give it up. And when you think about it, they should be. Totally. Have to be. Yeah. Not to mention that like the person who is the happiest and having the most fun is the most attractive and I do not mean that in a visual sense. And I don't mean it like you're going to attract a man if you're having fun. I mean like career friendships like joy romance if you want it like the, those things like are, are you know when you go to a party like it the 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 group of people the, the two or three people having the most fun conversation or like the most fun at the party attract everybody else into that room like people gather in even if it's the smallest least convenient room people cluster around the few people having the most fun at the party and it's such a better way to live than being like I gotta change everything in order to it's like I mean it's batshit but it's true it's like exactly what you said to Kimmy Shaney you have to we have to break everything we've been conditioned to do you know like forever to to like do that it's we we're hardwired and programmed and taught I mean we're not hardwired we're softwired we're taught a lot of bullshit and it takes time and and you know so much work to undo that it's also really hard to get people to hear it 
Mm. It's um, my audience has grown. You mentioned that earlier, yeah. but I will tell you this, it grows slowly, very slowly, because the way I speak about singlehood is not something that most single women want to hear. All they want to hear is where the fuck do I meet my husband? That's all they want to hear. They are exhausted. They are frustrated. They are angry. They are scared and they're ashamed. And they don't want to hear from me how all of that can go away pretty quickly, actually. Uh, but the solution does not involve a man. Like that's, that's why what I say is sometimes really hard to hear. And it's not what people want to hear. They want to hear, how do I find somebody? How, where is this person that I get to love? Where is the person that loves me? I deserve this too. Everybody else fucking gets it. Why don't I? There's a lot of anger and frustration. And what I'm saying isn't necessarily what people want to hear. I think like the nature of my work is such that you have to be ready to hear it and you have to want to hear it. Nobody can push it on you. Like I really, I hope that people buy my book as a gift and give it to people that need to, that deserve to feel better about being single. But if they're not ready for something like this, it's probably not going to land because all we've ever discussed when it comes to singlehood is dating. That's the topic. If you're single, the thing you care about most is finding someone, right? Yep. So, you know, where is the room? Where's the room for another another perspective and another way of seeing things, another way of living singlehood? Um, so it, it grows, but it thus far it has been growing slowly. And I hope that the book lays things out in such a way that it grows faster because I know there are shitloads of single women in the world and I know that all of them deserve to feel really good and to live a full and happy and beautiful life. So I'm hoping it spreads a bit faster because it's, it's, a, it's a message that is worth listening to. And I don't think it's being an arrogant prick. I just think it's, if you feel bad about being single, I think I can help. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to help without dating advice. And that is extremely rare. I think it's going to crush because we've read the introduction and it, I don't know, I feel like something about a book and kind of the guidance you will share, it just to me, your intro is great. It feels like there will be concrete parts of this book that I can apply even like being in a relationship because the other thing I'm thinking about, right, I'm in a relationship right now, but just the way you said if you don't need to be afraid to love being single, it won't mean you're single forever. Like being in a relationship, you're not going to be in a relationship forever. We all, I don't know. It's, I just want more people, including myself, honestly, I'm very excited to read the rest of your book to just, life is short. As you kind of mentioned, we need to enjoy it and we need to enjoy it in whatever state, especially as women who have been fed narratives about what state of relationship we should be in. We need to enjoy it single and partnered, multiple partners, whatever it is, we need to be able to enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point? Anyways, I'm having an, like a moment this morning, <laughs> of course. Um, okay, should we do one? Let's do our other cheesy question, Liza, and then we can hop into the book in more depth. Sure, totally. Okay. Shaney, we didn't ask you our other cheesy icebreaker. Um, what is your relationship to relationships? And you can interpret this however you like. And I guess we're kind of talking about this already. This will flow nicely into talking about the book, but. Oh, for sure. I love relationships. I think they're great. Um, I'm very happy when people connect with them. And I'm speaking about specifically romantic relationships, because for some reason, also in my line of work, like a side effect is that everyone thinks I'm anti-relationship and anti-love, which could not be further from the truth. Right. Um, I think they're great. I look forward to my next relationship slash relationships, plural, because I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to meet one person and be with them forever. If I'm going to meet five people and be with them at various points in my life. I have no idea. But I do know that I look forward to it. And I think it is possible to look forward to that 
without constantly pining for it and longing for it and feeling a huge gaping hole of lack in my life because I don't have someone. Um, I don't, I don't see couplehood as superior to singlehood and I don't see singlehood as superior to couplehood. I see them both as equal, as completely equal and completely balanced. And I know that's a hard concept to wrap one's brain around because one involves being in love and one doesn't. Um, but one also involves a shitload of compromise and a shitload of taking somebody else's everything into account to be a respectful and you know caring partner to them. Um, there are just things that I don't have to worry about right now that I will have to worry about someday. Um, and the perks, the perks to relationships are great. I look forward to that. I don't like killing my own spiders. I don't want that. <laughs> That's not something I enjoy. Um, you know, and I, there are things that come up all the time that I'm just like, this would be cool if someone else was here, just like it, it would just be cool. I think it would just be a really fun thing if somebody else could see how pretty the sunrise is today or like no this movie's hilarious it would be great if if someone else was watching this with me and we can talk about it um that would be great those things are all great and wonderful and I look forward to them but their absence does not make me hate my life anymore and it used to so I don't know I think I think relationships are wonderful and I look forward to them um I have a little bit of nervousness about my future ones because uh it's almost like I know too much. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I know how good singlehood is. So now I'm like a little bit nervous, but I think there are workarounds. Like, I think I'm going, and I don't care how weird this sounds on the internet, by the way. I think I might be the kind of person in a relationship where we have separate bedrooms and the actual like physical sleeping and other things happen in one of our rooms or both, wherever. Like, you know how the queen and her uh, husband <laughs> had like separate completely separate wings mm -hmm. I want that I want that <laughs> and then when you want to have sex or you just want like physical affection or togetherness you can choose a room and be in there but we still retain our own separate spaces I think that is something I'm gonna have to have because the idea of like have you ever talked to like one of your married girlfriends and like when her husband goes away on a business trip she's like so thrilled to have the bed to herself mm -hmm. that's terrifying you're telling me you haven't had the bed to yourself in how long now? Like, no, I, I'm sorry. That, that, that keeps me up at night, ironically. Like, I can't, there has to be, I have to be able to tailor my future relationships to the things I love about my singlehood. I, I, I just think the relationships will last longer, quite frankly. Totally. I don't think or that's weird at all. Room. Yeah. I, I want, like, oh, sorry, Kimmy. No. We're both excited. I know a couple, and I love this model, where they they like to sleep together and they sleep in the same bed every almost every night, but they have their own rooms. And it's like, he ha you know, he has like a, I think he has like a single bed in his room and the double bed is in her room. So like when they sleep, but you know, he plays video games, like they live in, in how, some somewhere outside of LA, in a suburb of LA. So they have like a, you know, a house, but like they're a very, in a very happy relationship, but they just like to have their own rooms. And she like crafts in her room and he like, like they, it's like a, out of your childhood if you were like I know not everyone has has their own room but like that's what I would like I would like a my own room and I think I would still choose to sleep with my partner because I like it you know it's whatever but I I just want the goddamn space to just be like if it's messy it's messy and I'm and if it's clean it's clean and like that you know like that's a, and that's a, also a very New York City thing like you were talking about like we have two rooms and we've been inside them for a really long time. 
Yeah. yeah. There's only so many walks to the park you can take, man. 100%. Like that was rough. A yeah. New York pandemic was rough. I will not soon forget it, my friends. I really yeah. won't. No, Living, I, working, all of it. Cannot imagine. The LA mm-hmm. is incredibly expensive as well, but you I am in a two bedroom now, the first time living with my I can't say boyfriend because we were just talking about how saying boyfriend makes me feel like a teenager, but day 13 um but so I kind of I hate to brag but I I was like with the pandemic and working I have like my room I'm sitting in it right now it's like got my old shitty grad school bed for guests but it's like my room in terms of where I work where I can leave my clothes out in a pile so I gotta say and yeah there are definitely (laughs) nights where I would be fine just being like I'll go sleep in the other bed but I feel that we're not aligned on that in my relationship yet. So Janie, I think to your point, you will find someone who also wants a wing and then it's like, you know, or you may. I think that's exactly it. I think the right relationship for me will make itself very apparent because of things like this. I will also say it's massively convenient that I do not want children when I talk about all these rooms in my house that I can do whatever (laughs) I want with. Um, yeah, there, I mean, that's that those, those sorts of things will be indicators to me that I'm in the right relationship. When I say things like, I think it would be really cool if some of the time I slept by myself and he was, he could say, yeah, actually I would really like that also. Um, but I still think that we should live together and I will do all the dishes. If you do all the laundry, that sort of thing Mm -hmm. is going to indicate to me that I'm in something that I should be in. If it feels like it fits me rather than me changing to fit it. Totally. Yeah. And I think the beauty of a relationship like that is that it requires confidence and self-assuredness on both sides. It requires not needing the other person to um, be something in order to validate you. And finding someone who is in that place is powerful. I think it makes relationships more. I mean, I, I feel like I, I entered my relationship very much not in a mentally healthy state and because both of us really like therapy and are Geminis and talk about our feelings a lot and process a lot of things. We've been able to like grow together to be like, oh, actually, like we can't depend on each other for every emotional need, you know, like, but that's, it's been very difficult to do that together. Like, I think it is much better to like develop those things and then look for someone who also has them who doesn't need you to fill some kind of gap in them because I've also been in that relationship and it sucks. Yeah. You also can't be afraid to be single. You can't ever enter into a relationship being afraid to be single because if you're afraid to be single, you will start to change yourself and lose yourself just so you don't lose that other person. There is such great power in telling the truth in saying, I need this. This is not okay with me. I like this. I cannot have this in my life and telling the other person the truth, hearing their truth back. If you find out that your truths don't align for that to be okay, and you can end the relationship, that's so powerful. And that's so necessary because there's, there's no, there's no gift in the wrong relationships. There's no benefit in the wrong relationships. So you almost need those truths to come out and quickly, preferably, so that you don't spend time with somebody that doesn't make you feel authentic. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's power in telling the truth and being confident and brave enough to tell the truth because you're not afraid of something ending because you're not afraid of being single. So powerful. Ugh. And okay, we, uh, we could, I could talk forever and we, I just really want to talk about your book. So let's talk about A Single Revolution. This, congratulations, your book, baby. 
or self-publishing. Is that the right term? Thank yes. You. Yes, it is. Um, self-publishing is exactly the right term. Not waiting for a New York City publisher to pull its head out of its ass any longer after three years of doing that. Self-publishing is exactly the term we need to use. It feels for- right for this book as well. And um, Thank you. it's you know, all the more impressive. Uh, just as kind of, this is a little cheesy, but I'd love to read the first paragraph of your introduction, Janie. Or, or I, is it weird if I read it? <laughs> I feel like we should have had you read it. But I just actually think it's such a good pitch. Yeah. Would you read it? Okay. Because I want to hear it come out of someone else's mouth. For sure. Yeah. I, think that I would, be I really would love fun. to. I just feel like it's such a great introduction. Like, I really feel strongly that anyone listening to this needs to pre order because that's important, right? Can you, you can pre order, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so, you will be able, it's not yet, not yet. Okay. Um, as of recording, no, you will be able to pre-order, but I'm really not focusing on that for like book promotion stuff because I don't have control over it. I can't tell you when. Okay. So October 26th is really just, I'm telling everybody cool. plan on buying it on launch day. That's, that's the pub day is the day. Pub day. Okay, great. I'm, I'm, I am so, I am just so impressed when people publish books and write books and so all the, I just it's we have fun to do to a thing too, like yeah. If we, if you like, we'll we'll plan a social media thing. But if you if our listeners buy it on launch day, we'll do something special for you. We'll sh- we'll shout you out on repost you on Instagram or something. Oh my god, love love. I'm so down for everything on social media to support this book. Like yeah. I mean, I I'm not a face person. Like I'm not often like I mean. I do podcasting and writing for a reason. My appearance is not involved in either of those tasks. But for the book, I'm going to change that. I'm going to be doing more <laughs> lives. I'm going to be doing more Q&As. I want to, I'm going to have to be more visible because it's, a, it, there's nothing more important to me than this that I've done so far. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I will read the intro. I just got nervous. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something's never changed after however many episodes we've done. Okay. We don't have to hate this. We don't have to hate being single. Has anyone ever told you that's allowed? Being single doesn't have to be a thing we fear, despise, or have shame about. It's possible to love this single life, to arrive at a place in your mind and heart where you value it so much that you refuse to give it up for anyone unworthy of you. I know it's scary to think about loving being single because of the negative repercussions we've been led to believe come with it. The good news is they're all nonsense. The negative narratives and limiting thoughts we have around singlehood can be rewritten and you're already reading the book that's going to help you. It's just... Yay! Like, I'm going to do the um, coffee house now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's talk about kind of, you know, that the origins, the, the superhero origin story, Liza likes to say, of this book kind of... What oh, we we know broadly what inspired you, but like, tell us about how you actually decided to go for it. Oh my gosh! Well, the superhero origins are that's such a good. Um, it's long and and not very. It's not the it's not the sexiest story. In 2018, I was writing a column on Refinery29 called Every Single Day. And through that column, uh, a book agent reached out to me and she said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, only every day of my life since I was six. (laughs) And so for the next, gosh, two, three years, we tried to sell one. And I put together a great book proposal and the first one got nothing but rejected. It was more memoir style. It wasn't as um, advice-based. It wasn't as change-based as a single revolution is going to be. 
so that that first one just got completely rejected across the board and then in early 2021 after the pandemic I was like we have to try again I have to try this again um so in in early 2021 I wanted to try again because I was tired of waiting quite frankly I was like what am I waiting for I want to do this I have to do this my listeners are literally asking me for this Mm -hmm. because they're on a walk when they're listening to the podcast and they can't write stuff down and they want to be able to write stuff down and I can just do that for them so I put together a book proposal for a book that's very much a single revolution and we sent that out in January of 2021 and it got completely rejected by every single publisher that it was sent to again and the day that the last rejection came through it was the first day that I had gone anywhere in New York since the pandemic. I hadn't gone anywhere. I was, I, I have never had a COVID test. That's how little I did during the pandemic. I have never needed one. I never did anything. So the first day that I left my house, like my face was like fucking double bagged. I was terrified, absolutely terrified to go anywhere. But I went to the Met, I went to the museum and um, it was all like timed entry. And there were only like three people in the whole place. It was actually kind of amazing, but I'm standing amongst the like Renoir and Van Gogh and all of it. And the last rejection email came through and I don't know what prompted me to check it in the fucking museum. But I checked it and the last rejection came through from, I think it was from Simon and Schuster. So that one stung. And I posted a picture from where I was standing when I read that last rejection letter. And there was this thing brewing in my head for a long time. I knew that self-publishing was an option, but I was very afraid of it because it's a lot of bells and whistles. It's a lot of, it, like, there's a lot involved in publishing a book. Like, I, and all I really want to do is write the thing. I don't, I don't want to have to research, like editors and copy editors and book cover designers. And I don't know how to get an ISBN number. I don't know how to get it up on Amazon. I don't like any of that stuff. I'm a writer. I'm not the project manager. Mm -hmm. Um, So I posted a picture from like that moment where I got that last rejection and um, how that rejection was kind of funny. When that came through, I almost started laughing because it's like, really? I'm never going to be an author? That just, it's comedy. In my head, that was comedy. Like, there's no way I'm never going to be the thing that I know I am. What bullshit? Like, no. Um, but it does start to hit you. Like, am I really never going to be able to do this? It's just, that's nonsense. I'm sorry. Like, I, you guys are very familiar with my work. You can see how this would be like insane to me that I would never get to be an author. Fuck that. So a uh, contact of mine from the podcast world, sent me a message and he's like, we need to talk. And he told me about this uh, company called Scribe that's essentially like a book in a box. You hand them a manuscript and a significant portion of your savings account and they will make a book for you. Instead of you know, a publisher coming to me and giving me an advance and then making my book for me. And then I don't make another penny until that advance is paid back from book sales. Um, And many authors never make another penny off of that beyond that advance. They never make any more money. Um, So that, that is not how things work for me. I paid scribe to make the book. They don't make any money off of the book sales. They don't retain any rights to it. I am the only one making money. I am the only one with rights to this book. And most importantly, I was the only one with creative control over the book. That was what was most important to me because I, I was always scared that an editor was going to tell me, you can't, you can't write this. You can't do this this way. This isn't, you know, this isn't how we do thing, whatever. Um, but I made all the decisions that I wanted to make for this book. It is aggressive. Like mm-hmm. I am terrified for this book to be in the world because I don't, I don't mince words at all. I'm very, very direct. I am very raw about a lot of things. 
And the book really does scare me because I don't know how this is going to be received. It's a lot. Like it's not, um, it's not your casual beach read. It's like, it's meant to be a how-to book. It's meant to be a manual. It's meant to be supportive. It's meant to be referenced later. Like six months after you read the book, if you're feeling down about this particular thing and you remember something about that in the book, I want it to be on your shelf so you can reference it and go back and see like, there are options. There are ways of shifting perspective. There are different ways to see this. Um, I feel like this is a really long story, but essentially nobody would publish my book. So I decided to publish it myself. And now she's, she's about to be a real thing in the world and she's purple and pretty. And I love it so much. She's very pretty. And can I just say that I loved in your introduction when you mentioned a book, you wouldn't be embarrassed to read on the subway or, you know, in public <laughs> because it's so true. So many like dating advice books, <laughs> like the cover is your Oh husband. my God. Would you ever, <laughs> would you ever carry some of these self-help books with their sad titles? Yep. And they're like, whatever I'm, I'm not gonna insult anybody but today um, I will they all it, to, to me it all feels like figure out what's wrong with you and it's like mm-hmm. fuck you you know <laughs> nothing's oh my wrong god I wanted it to be something you were, were not ashamed to hold on the subway not ashamed to hold on a park bench not ashamed to like take a picture of and send it to friends and be like I'm reading this you should read this I'm so sick of things being made for and about single women being embarrassing and full of shame this book is not a shameful book and it's I mean that was so important to me in thinking of both the title and the cover. Mm-hmm. I just didn't ever want anyone to be ashamed to hold it because they don't deserve that. If something is made to help you, it shouldn't make you ashamed that you need it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that was always a disconnect for me. So um, yeah, that's that's how the cover came to be and how the title came to be. And um, yeah, it's, it's so wild. Like I don't, I haven't really talked about this a lot yet. Like you're one of the very first podcasts I've done talking about the book it's so strange like I haven't told people these stories yet isn't that insane I feel Uh, honored yeah it's so cool that you thought about that I mean that's just not something that I I would have it's like that thing where you don't know what you don't know like I yeah I have had books that I have read in secret because I'm like I don't want anyone to know I feel you know it's like (laughs) that's absurd but the cover design I mean everyone needs to go google it right now it'll also probably be up on our socials but it's so beautiful Shaney like designed it yourself with help of a designer oh my god so So I the concept was mine and then a designer had to actually put it together because I don't know what to do with my fingers um (laughs) but yeah the concept was mine I love it so much I I told the story of the the cover and all of its meaning to my patrons in an episode this week and so that was a little special um like first first storytelling moment with them um but there is a lot of meaning to it and it's it's very intentional the cover is extremely intentional all this symbolism is very intentional um and the 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 title and the subtitle are too there there's no like strength in stuff made for single women you know what I mean like nothing is powerful or um everything just tells you what you're doing wrong everything tells you how to find this thing you don't have that's that's outside of yourself I think to my knowledge, this is one of the first things that's ever been made telling single women how to feel better without needing anyone else but themselves. Which is so wild. I don't to know. Me. Like so wild to me. Yes. I know. And we Look just... at if you 
if you want to ruin your afternoon, Google books for single women and see what happens. Just see what pops up and you just have a glass of wine ready because (laughs) it's unpleasant. It's so, I wanted something to be pleasant and beautiful and not centered around here's how to find someone. I, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted by the phrase, find someone. I am exhausted by dating. I am exhausted by all that stuff. I mean, I'm no longer personally exhausted because I gave up all that nonsense in January of 2019. And I've been quite happy ever since. Um, but yeah, it's like, I was, it, I was exhausted with what I saw for single women. So I made something that didn't exhaust me. It, it like enlivened me. It gave me energy and I hope it gives single women energy too. I hope it makes them feel so good and so energized. And so like, I hope it gives single women agency. I hope it gives us more agency than we have been allowed. Because when you are swiping your adulthood away, you really don't feel like you have any agency. And uh, reclaiming it is a very, very big deal to me because I've seen the benefits of reclaiming agency over my own singlehood. So many benefits that I have now written an entire book about it. It's so exciting. And also, can we just shout out the sub- subtitle? Yes. Um, uh, don't look for a match, light one. Like, put that on a T-shirt or something better. <laughs> like, it's so great. I just, yeah. I love it, too. It makes me so happy. It's great. It's so great. And and what do you hope, like, I guess we've already kind of talked about this, but if you could distill it into, like, one thing, one sentence, whatever, what do you want people to, like, close the back cover of and walk away feeling? I want single women to feel good. I want single women to feel uplifted and good and valid and whole. I don't want any more single women feeling like they lack something, feeling like they're constantly doing something wrong, feeling like something about themselves is preventing them from being loved, preventing them from being real. I want it all gone. I want the shame to be gone. So I want you to feel good. I want you to shed shame. I want you to stop stop looking at every waking moment of your single life as an opportunity or a responsibility to find someone. That has to change. And I know that like when we talk about this stuff, it can seem a little it can seem a little antiquated, right? Because we're feminists living in 2021 and you know we don't need men and blah, blah, whatever. But the day-to-day reality for a single woman alone in her apartment hurts a lot. It hurts a lot because the messages she's getting that make her feel like shit are constant. They're constant and they're quiet. Mm. They're super passive. They're nothing. No one's walking up to her in her face and saying, you're sad and pathetic and lonely spinster no one's saying that to her face they're doing other things they're doing other things like um spotify giving uh couples discounts but no discounts if you're just one person um they're doing things like the very first question you get asked at dinner is so how's dating going the very first question sometimes before how are you the question is so how's dating going i don't know how happy is your marriage It's the same goddamn question. Stop asking us how dating is going. You want to know how it's going? Pretty rough most of the time, actually. It's pretty difficult and it's pretty frustrating. And that's it's not why we sat down to dinner with a friend. Um, It's not why we're at brunch right now. It's not why we're taking this yoga class together. I'm, I'm doing this because I'm a real person and I matter outside of my dating life. I matter outside of my relationships. Um, so I know that I know that a lot of this shouldn't matter, but it still does because. We still grew up when we grew up 
we still came into puberty and young adulthood and our dating years when we did. And this stuff doesn't wash off so easy. So I hope that this helps usher in new ways of thinking about singlehood, new ways of talking about singlehood, and most importantly, new ways of experiencing singlehood because it's outstanding. It really is. It is not a consolation prize version of life. It is outstanding. I'm very happy. And I had never said that in a decade of singlehood. I had never said I'm very happy. And now I am. If I can do this, if I can climb out of the hell pit of despair that I spent 10 years locked inside, anyone can. And that's why this book exists. That's why I want you to read it. Amen. (laughs) I love it so much. Shaney, we could definitely talk to you forever, but (laughs) we're going to save it for the next time we talk on the internet or even in person in New Orleans. Can you please tell all of our listeners where they can find follow by when they can buy the book again all the stuff they can set an alarm for october 26th 2021 which is just it's in a oh my god it's in 24 days ah i last really, by the time we post this oh my god okay so october 26th <laughs> is pub day that is the day the book is coming out you can buy it on amazon.com or if you would rather not shop on Amazon, because I know some people would prefer not to, um, you can go to your local bookstore and you can say, hey, there's this book by this author, Shaney Silver. Could you buy it and have it in the store so that I can buy it from you? And then you can shop locally. Um, but because it is a self-published book right now, it's only going to be available on Amazon unless you go to your local bookstore and say, please carry this book. So those are your options for now. Um Yeah. And in the meantime, you can do things like listen to my podcast, which is called a single serving podcast. And you can go to shaneysilver.com to see all sorts of wonderful ways I'm trying to sort of rewrite the narrative on singlehood because I don't like the old one very much. And And we're going to link all of that below. We'll be reminding you guys on social media, et cetera, on October 26th. Kimmy. I've interrupted you so many goddamn times. No, I think you, I, I should. I, I think I'm on a little lag or something. Sorry to everyone that I keep like jolting. I'm gonna out. Venmo you five dollars to get a coffee for. Absolutely. That's what I, if we were in person, I'd be like, let me buy you an apology coffee for the amount of times I've jumped on you in this episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. It no. I just no. I forget what I was gonna say, but I know it was. Yeah, I just like you're actually doing it. You're re- no one else is doing the work you're doing, Shaney, and that's why I fangirl and we fangirl, and I just wanna say thank you so much for coming on and thank you for having me you have no idea how much this means to a self-published author it's a very very big deal you're doing you're doing a mitzvah by supporting an independent self-published author you really are thank you so much of course all right we are going to be spamming you all who follow us on on social and we'll we'll remind you depending on when this episode comes out we can always remind people here on another episode too unless it's another author that might be weird but Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, oh, happy Halloween, too. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's like Shaney Christmas. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you.